1: Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening
2: to The Big Cruise Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to episode 155 of The Big Cruise Podcast. My is Baz, I'm one of your hosts, and uh, yet again it's always a pleasure to be with you. Uh, first of all, a big thank you to Paul and Carol for last week's episode, uh, sharing of course their experiences in Alaska with the uh, Holland America Line. If you did miss that episode, I highly recommend you head back. It's a good hour of uh, solid cruise review and uh, a great little chat there with uh, Paul and Carol. And of course you can get the links to their uh, the socials and uh, their uh, websites in last week's show notes as well. This week we've got a cracker of an episode coming up for you. Chris has Got a great chat with Anthony in uh, USA, who is incredibly passionate about uh, shipping maritime history and uh, has got quite a lot of knowledge and recent experience surrounding uh, Queen Mary, which of course is alongside in Long Beach. So Chris will be bringing you the majority of this week's show. I myself, I am currently in Lisbon and uh, about to embark on uh, Norwegian Cruise Line's Norwegian Viva. So I will uh, bring you uh, little stories from the ship, uh, possibly next week's episode or following the week after. Um, But I think you're going to really enjoy today's show. As I mentioned, it's Chris uh, talking to Anthony, talking all things uh, maritime history, and in particular about uh, Queen Mary alongside in Long Beach. So let's get the show on the road and start talking all things cruise. Enjoy the show.
1: Be sure to share the
3: podcast on your favorite social media channels. Well, I'm very excited today because I'm going to have a chat with somebody who I've known for a very long time. We first met uh, through our mutual love of passenger ships, and particularly the QE2, my guest today is a journalist and the host of Five Minute News Anthony Davis who used to work uh, at LBC 97.3 many years ago and he and I spoke for the first time together about uh, plans to move the QE2 to London which of course never happened but he has a deep interest in passenger ships and a great connection with uh, many of the great liners that we speak about on the podcast so Anthony thank you so much for joining me
0: Thank you Chris it's a it's a real pleasure and you know we all have secret hobbies And I never really talk publicly about my secret hobbies. You know, I normally report on the news, the rise of fascism, and all of the scary Mm. stuff that's happening in the world. But really, I would just rather be talking about ocean liners liners and and, and passenger ships. (laughs) So this this is as exciting for me as for you.
3: You've been uh, sort of sending me pictures of the ships in uh, California where you live now, and particularly um, photographs of the Queen Mary, which we'll get to uh, shortly. But just for our listeners' benefit, I mean, you've obviously got quite a, a profile from your, from your news and, and radio uh, career, but your interest in ships, I think it dates all the way back to um, the QE2 in 1975 when you were um, yeah. six months old.
0: I, w- I was the youngest passenger on board in 1975. My my dad worked on the original Queen Mary in the 1960s, and so mm-hmm. he had a kind of affinity with the ships. My grandmother was a big Cunard fan. She used to go on the Vista Ford and the Sarger Ford, as they used to be, mm. and the QE2 a lot. And so she used to come back and bring you know all this memorabilia back. So there was a kind of Cunard um, affection in our family. And so when we could afford it, we would go on the QE2. And so I first went at the age of six months. It was a two-week cruise, Tenerife Mm -hmm. and Madeira, of course, because the QE2, although it was designed as a transatlantic liner, it was also designed as a cruise ship, which was like the first hybrid ship to be designed Mm -hmm. in this way. Um, And so, you know, it had some balconies higher up, which, as you know, most um, ocean liners wouldn't have. Mm -hmm. And so... I had this weird experience, Chris, having been on it in 1975 at the age of six months. When I went back again in 1985, so or uh, maybe it was 1983, 1983, nearly ten years later, and mm-hmm. I, I was I was a kid, nine year old kid. I felt like I knew the ship, like I it felt very familiar to me. You oh, know, because yeah 8 years earlier 9 years earlier I've been pushed around in a in a stroller around mm. the decks of the QE2 for 2 weeks and mm-hmm. weirdly the the geography and the topography of this of this ship you know the schematics were loaded into the, into my subconscious
3: <laughs> That's um, amazing so
0: yeah it was kind of weird I don't know it might just be you know a kind of phantom experience but anyway so as a kid I went on the QE2 and I became obsessed with this ship Right, because it was the only transatlantic liner of its kind. I knew it was nine hundred and sixty-three feet long, I knew it was weighed sixty-five thousand tons and had a hundred and five foot breadth. Like I knew all this data, you know, and I I, I memorized it as a child. And yeah, I mean, I guess I was a little bit weird in hindsight, but you know, <laughs> no. I have I have no doubt that you did exactly the same, my
3: friend. Oh, it sounds so familiar. The, I mean, I obviously, my first time on board, I was a bit older than you. I was um, uh, 11 when I first went on QE2, but I'd been studying the deck plans and looking at um, photographs and we had a, an old VHS about the ship that I watched so many times that you know not quite the same as what you describe, but in a similar way it felt very welcoming, very homely when you stepped on board and it kind of had this familiarity that I can't really you know you can't really describe it to anyone who hasn't experienced it can you she had a she had a soul almost if your ship can have such a thing
0: very very different to modern cruise ships, I think mm. And you know, the other thing that I think people forget about these liners, and i I'm just fresh from being on the Queen Mary in Long Beach, which we'll talk about later, but I it's just front of mind, is that there were so many windows. And, you Mm. know, on modern cruise ships, there's no windows. So apart from your balcony cabin, if you're lucky enough to have one, or those of us in steerage, you know, we're lucky (laughs) if we hit a porthole. But, uh, you know, most of these, you know, rooms that they advertise, these public spaces that they advertise, Mm. I mean, even the the central park, let's say, on the Oasis-class ships, you can't see out. Mm. You know, you you can see up. If you look up, you might see the sky but there's there's just nowhere to look out, and I find that kind of claustrophobic, and so this is the great thing about the older ships you know and certainly the q e two is that there was windows everywhere mm-hmm. and so when I was on it in in nineteen eighty four the date keeps changing when I was <laughs> on the ship it was eight I think it was eighty f eighty three maybe it was eighty three we got caught in a hurricane, so we did a transatlantic to New York and back mm-hmm. to Southampton. And when we were, say, 24 hours out of Southampton at the Bay of Biscay, mm-hmm. this this hurricane came in and it was so severe that the ship had to drop anchor for two days. Oh my and we were on the front page of the newspapers. You know, this was like a big story. And wow. I still have etched into my memory the whole ship kind of shaking and windows smashing, like, you know, the glass inset into doors out mm-hmm. to the promenade deck smashing and i remember seeing a woman covered in blood Ooh. and i remember the the ship listing so much that the whole band slid down the <laughs> polished wooden dance floor into oh my a gosh heap and and the drums you know it was oh, yes very theatrical and and obviously all the waiters in in the britannia restaurants spilling everything and plates smashing And so that was like my earliest memories. And so of course I wanted to spend a life on the high seas after this. I mean, it was, it was very exciting.
3: Absolutely. I mean, I never experienced anything quite so dramatic on QE2, but I do remember um, being in the Southern ocean crossing across the great Australian Bight. And we were originally sailing in tandem with a P&O cruise ship and we were, she was slightly ahead of us, but QE2 was so fast, of course. And this storm rolled in, and QE2 just kind of plowed her way through it, and the other ship slowed down. And the next day at the, um, captain's cocktail party it was captain warwick at the time and he did a little um you know speech as they do and he said uh, we've had a lot of people asking about the whereabouts of the other ship well don't worry it's okay it's uh, seven miles behind and struggling (laughs) everyone (laughs) in the in the whole ship just started cheering because q e2 of course was so strong and so designed for that kind of weather so for her to have to drop anchor it must have been very severe
0: yeah and of course, QE2 now is a is becoming slowly a successful hotel operation, floating hotel in Dubai. And I just watched a couple of documentaries on that, which I sent you actually. I seem to remember. Mm-hmm. Yes, you did. And, yep. and because you know, I, there's nothing I love more than getting lost in a in a ship documentary <laughs> and and seeing how they've kept QE2, uh, you know, the double down room and and just those kind of 60s spaces, that beautiful mm. ceiling. I mean it's just so nice to because I actually feel like the new owners and operators do respect it and they mm-hmm. do want to you know remember and and certainly kind of respect the history of the ship and I think they are doing that and then so my mind is at rest now because I was worried when it went off to Dubai that that was mm-hmm. it you know they were going to strip it, but they yeah. haven't you know and so and I'm very pleased that if you wanted to. You could go to Dubai, see the see the tallest structure in the world, you know, the, the Burj Khalifa, and then you can go and spend
3: a night on the QE2. Yeah, have, have you been back on board since it's retired yet?
0: I haven't, no. Um, I've never been to uh, Dubai, and I really would like to go, mainly because, you see, this is the thing about... Engineering that I love it's scale, right, so okay. I don't really have you and i we both like aeroplanes as well, right, so we both have a kind of mutual love of, of yep. aviation and, Absolutely. and uh, cruises and for me, you know I have no interest in a seven three seven it just doesn't interest me right? <laughs> but, but you put an a three eighty in front mm-hmm. of me or or a you know a seven forty seven and suddenly i'm really interested and and it's yep. the same with ships, you know i want it's the scale, it's the size. And also the design, you know, things like the Concorde and the, and the um, you know, the jumbo jet, they were designed to be visually stimulating as well as um, aerodynamic. And it's the same with ships, you know, the, the hydrodynamics of the QE2, certainly the Queen Mary 2, you know, with these long bows. And this is the thing that frustrates me about these tour guides. They don't, from the outset really explain the difference between a cruise ship and an ocean liner i know uh-huh. you do when you do your talks it's the, one of the first things you talk about yep. but you know my my favorite statistic is that a cruise ship is very much built from the inside out and 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 the ocean liner is built from the outside in and so when i hear people you know these days on youtube doing their vlogs and they're on say queen mary 2 and they're complaining that you have to go upstairs to go across mm. to go downstairs i'm like it's an ocean liner. Yeah. For sake. <laughs> you're, not, you're not supposed to be able to walk from one end to the other. It's supposed to be difficult, you know, because the superstructure is designed to be able to get from Southampton to New York in under five days.
3: Mm, yep. And, they and don't so, quite get the, the nuance get of it, it, do they? No. Well, no. we're trying to change that here. Definitely yeah. one of the the most regular questions that I, I do get when I'm on the ships, but also just through this podcast and also the youtube channel is what are the difference and i've got about three different videos that explain it in slightly different ways because it is a hard concept for people to get their head around but i'm I'm with you we we go on queen mary too quite often and you hear people sort of complaining that you have to take that sort of side corridor down to the um to the queen's room but you don't realize that that enabled the creation of that stunning restaurant in the middle um of the ship which is um for her role as a liner the most yeah. stable place for you to have a meal. So it makes sense.
0: That's right. And, and you know, Stephen Payne, who designed Queen Mary 2, you know, he, like us, knew the measurements of the ships when he was a child.
3: Mm-hmm. He also
0: went on QE2 when he was a child and studied yep. the schematics of the ship when he was a child. You know, the right person designed that ship. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and, you know, so so when I think about the Oasis-class ships and the new Icon of the Seas and all these new gigantic ships – even though i'm drawn to scale mm-hmm. it needs to be for the right reasons not just for commercial purposes And you know i think the reason they're building bigger and bigger ships is for revenue these days and, yeah. you know, whereas back in the day, all the ships had to be around a thousand foot long because that was, you know, the swells of the North Atlantic meant that they could ride the waves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was the reason why they are that size. Their gross tonnage, obviously, is is a different conversation. Mm-hmm. But in terms of their length and their, you know, just their lines, you know, the 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 Normandy, especially one of, one of my favorite ships, you know, they were designed to be beautiful inside and out but mainly out and there's some wonderful old footage actually on youtube of 1920s or maybe even earlier you know like turn of the century early early 20th century of ships coming and going from new york harbor uh you know pier 88 and all, all of that and you see the normandy leaving and it's actually one of these videos that has been um, you, you know they've used an AI software to convert the black and white film mm-hmm. into color
3: the color yeah. and
0: I don't know if I've sent these to you maybe I have but they're the most beautiful visual images of people waving the ships off mm-hmm. and seeing the Queen Mary arrive and go and seeing the Normandy come and go and you know, the big Italian ships, of course, because, you know, these ships before the jet age travel, I'm just doing your lecture for you now. But before the jet, <laughs> You're doing great. Before the, before the jet age travel, these ships represented the might of each nation. Exactly. And the, nation, you know, the countries were proud of their ships. And, you know, Britain was never prouder than of Queen Elizabeth and, and then mm-hmm. Queen Mary and then QE2. And it's a bit sad to me that Queen Mary 2 is now registered in Nassau, was registered in in the uk originally i think wasn't it And then they switched
3: yes it it was southampton when it started
0: right so and again this is just for revenue purposes you know it's it's cheaper to insure these ships and to pay their staff less if they're registered in you know these kind of non-dom places and so it's not the it's not the old kind of rms existence you know i started out as really as a titanic enthusiast yes and uh, and as did Mickey Harrison, of course, the president, or, or as he was, of the um, Carnival Corporation. And I think it was 1997 or thereabouts when James Cameron's Titanic movie was coming mm-hmm. out. And- Absolutely. He saw how much interest there was in this film, including Chris from you and me, because I saw that at least a dozen times in the cinema. Exactly. Yes, um, <laughs> we 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 got so excited about actually seeing Titanic, you know, animated for the first time—not just mm-hmm. as a shipwreck, but seeing it animated—and that's when Mickey Arison realised that there was a market for an ocean liner, and that's when he committed to building Queen Mary two. And so I found this out. Uh, you know, four years before the ship was launched. And I booked my ticket for the maiden voyage, which was 2004. I booked it in 2001. Mm-hmm. And I waited three or four years studying the vlogs that they mm-hmm. made, you know, mm-hmm. it was so exciting early days of, you know, kind of internet videos and Yes. To the shipyard and, you know, interactive,
3: The interactive um, floor plans that they put up on their website was That's sort of right. groundbreaking back in the early 2000s.
0: And, of course, it was built at Saint Nazir, wasn't it? So yes, it was. Yes. It, you know, it had that kind of French, <laughs> had that Normandy, Normandy heritage. feeling. Right, exactly, yeah, yeah. The same shipyard as the Normandy. And so it was very exciting. And I decided for 2004 that I was going to do it like it was Titanic and so my best friend at the time was also a titanic enthusiast in fact he was just with me last week when i went on queen mary my my friend from you know who i've known since we were 17 and we both love the ships and so it's actually the first time we oh, went fantastic. on Queen mary together just a week ago and uh experienced it together having crossed on queen mary on the maiden voyage and so we took with us authentic Kind of Victorian dress, mm-hmm. I even got a pair of spectacles lensed that oh, were authentic wow. of the time. How we fantastic. had embarkation and disembarkation outfits to wear that we'd like pre prepared and for the <laughs> evenings, we wore white tie and tails, but not oh, just lovely. any white tie we didn 't wear like a cummer band and a and a fake tie. We wore starched separate shirts and separate Goodness. collars i mean it was like stepping
3: back in time, right
0: stepping back in time and and so in 2004, we looked like two total dweebs, but we were, you know, committed, really committed to doing this. And mm-hmm. I'm just so pleased that we, we did because, you know, I have great video footage of us arriving into New York Harbor, you know, six o'clock in the morning. In the days before they went, you know, now they don't unfortunately go to Pier 88 mm-hmm. anymore. Now, mm-hmm. now they kind of... They're leave in, early. Uh,
3: Brooklyn, aren't they?
0: And they go to the Brooklyn Terminal. But, yeah. you know, then you could see Statue of Liberty, went right past it under the Veranazo Bridge. And mm-hmm. you had, I think we had, I'm trying to think of who we had lecturing on that crossing. It was John Maxwell Graham.
3: Oh, uh, John, or? yes, okay. Very he famous is, author.
0: Very famous author. He wrote that book, The Only Way to Cross, of course. He did, which, yes. Uh, he passed away, I think, about 10 years ago now. Maybe. Yeah. But um, so he actually did the uh, kind of narration over the tannoy as we kind of came into New York Harbor. And it was so moving. And I met so many amazing people on the ship. And I have to this day, I remain friends with at least half a dozen people that Mm -hmm. we crossed the Atlantic uh, on this maiden voyage with. And obviously, Captain Warwick, you know, it was his ship to take out and, uh, you know, take it to sea, Mr. Murdoch we didn't hit any icebergs <laughs> you no know, they did it right we, we we did it we did it right and and then we it was announced that they were going to be making another ship which was queen victoria 4 years later of and course. so my friend and i we did the same thing we booked queen victoria 3 years out maiden mm-hmm. voyage maiden maiden crossing southampton to new york and that ship that crossing was actually a tandem crossing with the QE2. Oh,
3: so you were there. Oh, yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Right? You hit so some I... interesting weather, didn't you, on that trip? Yeah,
0: that was a, yeah. that was quite something. But it meant that I got to watch from Queen Victoria, which is basically like a floating bus.
3: <laughs> you know,
0: they, <laughs> they did a little bit of um, adjustments to these cruise ships. They thickened the hull. Mm-hmm. and But it's not a, it's not an ocean liner like Queen Mary 2. And so it doesn't handle the ocean as well. It's not bad. You know, it's not as bad as going on a regular cruise ship but it it doesn't handle the ocean as well as QE2 which was our tandem crossing because of course she hadn't retired yet so I've got all this amazing video footage of watching the QE2 cross the North Atlantic from what um, how far would those ships have been a mile apart yeah
3: exactly they were very close weren't they and I seem to recall seeing QE2 sort of speeding up and then positioning herself in different places to give you the best view if I recall Correctly, (laughs) that's right.
0: They would they would move it so that people in cabins on the port side and then starboard would have a a visual from their cabin or from their balcony or from their from their porthole. In my case, (laughs) and of Um, of course
3: they had to do the 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 movement with Kiwi too because she's so much faster.
0: Yes, that's right. You know the the ships don't go as fast as they could. I, I actually was looking at the Cunard schedule for. Um, uh, Queen Mary 2 for next mm-hmm. year to see the transatlantic crossings and you know they're actually offering a 6 day or a 7 day or an 8 day mm-hmm. so you you know and, and that just goes to show you know at full speed QE 2 does what uh, sorry Queen Mary 2 does about 34 and a half knots or 36 knots or something around that it's, it's a really fast ship fast. of course fast. it uses, uses so much fuel so the slower they go the better for them in a way yeah. and you pay the same price whether you get six nights or eight nights.
3: That's the interesting thing is, um, you know, Queen Mary two could easily maintain if if you had QE two and Queen Mary two together, they could maintain the schedule of the original Queens without any problems at all. That's right. But I mean, there's, there's, uh, you know, two um, sides to it. I suppose, firstly, there's the fuel saving for going slower. And we, we know, um, that that makes a big difference to fuel consumption. Um, but also, um, Firing up the extra engines, there's, I guess, also an environmental burden that people need to start taking more and more into account. And so it's it's strange because I recall in my you know younger days thinking about all of these um, sort of um, engines and power plants and how impressive the 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 stats were. I think it was something like Kiwi two did fifty feet to the gallon. Um, of of um, diesel uh, fuel, but these days that sort of information it sounds appalling when you think about um, when you think about the environmental impact of those engines. Yeah. So um, I guess some of the the benefits of the the modern day ships, and particularly with Queen Mary too, is when she does want to go faster, they do have to they do fire up those gas turbines, which are a lot more environmentally friendly than the diesels, but it costs a fortune to run them.
0: Let me just go back though a little bit. So I did this crossing watching QE2, and that was a, an amazing trip. And Queen Victoria, at the time, I thought was the most beautiful ship, absolutely fantastic. I mm-hmm. thought Cunard did a great job of fitting mm-hmm. it out. Yep. Unfortunately, it's all it's all plastic. You know, it's like but they they have these very good imitation woods everywhere. Yeah, SOLAS you-
3: um, regulations they don't let them actually use um, real woods on the construction ships which is why you know one of the things that qe2 used to stand out was that you'd walk down those um you know three deck and four deck corridors and you'd have all that original proper wood paneling you just you're just not allowed to do it anymore because of the fire hazard
0: and that's why when i visit queen mary in long beach and i see all of this beautiful maple wood Mm. and you know they have a dozen different woods that they're using on that ship and it is It's so authentic. And, you know, what these replacement cruise ships like Queen Elizabeth and Queen Victoria and the forthcoming Queen Anne have in common is that they are just replicas. And so whilst they're trying to recreate that vibe, in a way, I kind of think, well, don't go with any expectations, but just come to Long Beach and spend a couple of nights on the original Queen Mary if you want to experience, you know, the real... The real thing. So then I booked Queen Elizabeth and did the maiden voyage of Queen Elizabeth. Another f- three years later, mm-hmm. and that was fantastic. And and by this time Cunard had kind of caught on to my obsession, and so they invited <laughs> me to the uh, naming ceremony. So oh, I got to nice. see the Queen, yeah, naming the uh, naming the ship, and they let us stay on board the ship in Southampton Dock for for the night. So I was actually oh, well. the first passenger to stay on Queen Elizabeth uh, in Southampton, and then. Um, about two months later, I think we did the maiden transatlantic because, of course, Cunard stopped doing transatlantics as maiden voyages. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they did like a shakedown cruise instead. Mm-hmm. So, so I've done the three Cunard Queens maiden voyages, uh, uh, transatlantic, and I booked the Queen Anne again with the same friend. You know, uh, we, yes. we 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 pre-booked, but then of course the pandemic came, and then the shortage of you know getting materials and yes. delays and so they wrote to us and said we are cancelling the maiden voyage and they gave us a refund and when I looked at the schedule to rebook Queen Anne unfortunately it wasn't doing a transatlantic so I, I haven't oh, booked shame. it and so am yeah. not going to be oh, not going dis- to be
3: that's a shame because I'm actually I'm actually booked to um to be the guest lecturer on the maiden voyage of Queen Anne. It's just recently been confirmed, so I'm very excited. And it would have been lovely to have met you in person, <laughs> but um, it look, actually we... would have
0: been very disappointing to have met me in person. I really feel that I am far better enjoyed in this environment.
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh no! So um, I'm sure we'll bump into each other on a transatlantic at some point, though. I mean, obviously, our listeners can can tell we could we could speak for hours about how mutual love for the for the ocean liners and particularly the the passion for the cunard ships that are continuing that tradition but um i'm really interested in hearing your experience with the recent experience particularly with the queen mary um i imagine your your love of queen mary sort of is linked back to your father and working on board the ship is is that correct
0: yeah, I suppose so. I mean, I didn't have a great relationship with my dad, so it was like Queen Mary and the and the cruise ships and the ocean liners was really kind of one thing that we kind of did have a connection mm-hmm. about. And so uh, I only found out kind of recently where the sh- where the the um, store was that he worked. He worked in in the Simpson store. Simpson of Piccadilly is famously a uh, kind of gentleman's outfitters um, in in London and th- when the Austin Reed shop which is in the Piccadilly Circus area of the Queen Mary which is you know the little shopping, the precinct, shopping area yep um it's the central shop that sticks out actually looks like a boat itself uh, in the in the middle surrounded by glass mm-hmm. that was famously the Austin Reed store and so i think Simpson took it over in the last couple of years mm-hmm. of um, of Queen Mary's um Service. This is yeah. leading up to. I think it finished in around 1967, didn't it? If, so-
3: if listeners um, go to uh, Wikimedia Commons and look for images of Queen Mary Shopping Promenade, you'll, you'll clearly see it's that it's a very prominent store in the in the centre of the of the shopping promenade. So and it looks weird. big,
0: but it 's actually pretty small, so if you were to be outfitting a couple of gentlemen, there really wouldn't be much room for more than a couple of gentlemen to be outfitted <laughs> in that store but mm. um I always think of the shops on board as like emergency supplies when they lose mm-hmm. your luggage, you know mm-hmm. so it's like ah i 'm going to have to go and buy myself an expensive <laughs> shirt for dinner but um so yeah, my dad worked on this, so it was amazing to kind of go on board Queen Mary and see it now. Uh, Queen Mary has been closed for the last three years because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. and I visited her a couple of times, maybe three times before the pandemic, and she was not in a good state. You know, the sure. operators had really allowed her to get become quite run down. Oh, I actually stayed on stayed on her for my honeymoon. Oh, I forgot to mention, I I, I proposed. To my wife on Queen Mary two, oh, not the wow. maiden voyage, but like you know, I, I'd done a few crossings. On arrival into New York, I, I'd actually proposed, and mm-hmm. so to to kind of you know go on Queen Mary for my honeymoon was bringing the story full circle. So I actually oh, spent wonderful. a night on Queen Mary for my honeymoon. This is like about, about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd experienced her 10 years ago, and then I experienced her about three years ago when I moved to Los Angeles. I started visiting the ship. Mm-hmm. And, you know, she was very run down, and I felt really sad because, you know, you know, that ship has actually been in Long Beach as a floating hotel longer yes. than she was in service as a passenger liner, which is amazing to think about. Um, but the staff, you know, they everyone's I'm a I'm a bit of a stickler for detail. And <laughs> the staff, you know, they weren't dressed properly. They were a bit messy and the food was terrible and there was no flow and the Is service. Pre,
3: pre-pandemic was, oh, or now?
0: Pre-pandemic. It just pre-pandemic. wasn't quite good enough. And I and it was expensive, you know, to go yeah. on. It was it was kind of expensive. And so, you know, I've always been of the opinion that you should run these things just like hotels in London, like Claridges or mm-hmm you know the the dorchester where you the, the house is always open so you don't charge people entry if you yeah. want to come and spend time in in a nice hotel you just show up and you order a cup of tea or a glass of water or you know a glass of champagne and you can spend all day there
1: yeah. using
0: the luxury washroom and looking around <laughs> and reading a free newspaper you know this is like the joy of london hotels yeah. and that's what queen mary really should be about and actually yeah. they never did that you know they're like if you want to come in it's 25 bucks okay. just to look around and if you want a tour it's another 30 bucks mm-hmm. and it was just like i really felt like we were being rinsed so i wrote to the operators when it closed and i read that the the, the city of long beach had taken back ownership of the mm-hmm. ship and that they were finding a new hotel operator to run it, I wrote to them and I said, look, is there any way you could run this as like a London hotel where people can just use it at their leisure? You'll make money through food and beverage.
3: Exactly. And yeah,
0: it'll, it'll create a vibe. It'll be busy because, you know, that ship was never busy. And the one thing that is the difference between a ghost ship mm-hmm. and, a, and a bustling kind of you know, proper liner, yes, is yes. people it's the people You've got to have people. Yeah. where are the people? Exactly. and so they didn't heed my advice, Chris. you know, it's still expensive, so when I anyway, I went last week, went with my friend who I crossed the Atlantic with three times, mm-hmm. and it is looking better. They've given it a lick of paint uh, to the superstructure, mm-hmm. the yeah, that's good. funnels still need some paint work because the previous operator used the wrong paint, they didn't use a proper <laughs> maritime paint. And so oh, the seawater has corroded it and it's all peeling off. So they're going to be repainting the funnels, but not in the correct orange. They're going to be doing it in red. In red, I know.
3: Yeah, it is strange, isn't it? Yeah. To see, to see it with, because um, the, all the, a few real colour photographs, but all of the, um, you know, the advertising posters and stuff from the era when Queen Mary was sailing, she had those yes. fantastic orange-red Cunard right. funnels and just looked so superb.
0: Not anymore. Not anymore. <laughs> so anyway, but they have replaced the teak decking on the on the promenade deck. Um, so that now, you know, is words because let's not forget on new cruise ships and I include Queen Victoria and Queen Mary uh, and Queen Elizabeth, Mm -hmm. they use linoleum instead of teak decking, which is very frustrating because linoleum looks terrible, even if though it's got lines painted, (laughs) painted in it. It's,
3: it's it's so funny. I get, I get, um, excited. I get comments on the YouTube video sometimes, but I get excited about when I step onto the ship and it's got proper teak wood and you find a few gems out there. I mean, Aurora, um, British, uh, the last ship ever built for the Peninsula and Oriental Company before yes. it, before it uh, separated out and um, sold its cruising division. Um, it it has the Teakwood. The Coral Princess has the Teakwood. Um, the Pacific Explorer in our market, which is from 1997, she has a Teakwood, but they're, they're few and far between, and quite often it's the older ships. You don't see it very often on the newer ships.
0: And it's the same with the deck chairs as well. You know, we should have proper teak wood steamer deck chairs. Mm -hmm. And on Queen Mary two, they have them. Even on the balconies, they they Mm -hmm. gave you proper teak wood steamer deck chairs. But now, on all the modern cruise ships and on Queen Elizabeth and and Queen Victoria and probably on Queen Anne, they're all, you know, whatever a modern deck chair is. I don't really know the materials, but it's probably mostly some kind of composite deck chair, almost.
3: Yeah, yeah. So, So did you. Did you stay on on. board Queen Mary as as part of like as a part of the hotel or were you just visiting on this latest trip?
0: Well, I paid for a tour because that was the cheapest way to get on board. You know, Mm -hmm. you can pay now you can pay like twenty five dollars just to go walk around. Um, But that is for anybody over the age of four. And when I was arriving, there was a mom in front of me and she had two kids with her and you know these kids couldn't have been more than five you know same age as my children and and so it was going to be with 25 dollar parking it was going to be 100 bucks for the three of them just to get on the ship before they'd even bought a a, a drink and so yeah, okay
3: it's expensive it made
0: then. me a bit sad because it is going to prevent you know regular people from going on board it's just too expensive so no i booked a tour i didn't book the ghost tour which is what they're offering you have a choice of two because i don't personally believe that you should be doing ghost tours on ships. I just think it's mm-hmm. pointless you know you've got all this beautiful rich history oh, yes. and there's so much to talk about and to I don't personally believe in ghosts and so to make up all this garbage about ghosts and and i mean whatever grabs people's attention, I understand the ship has mm. to you know generate revenue, but I just felt a bit sad about that so no but I didn't some, of, some of the most
3: some of the most um popular um, videos of queen mary on youtube are sadly the ones where it's like i went on board a ghost ship and you, they get yeah. a million views but That's i right. think there's such an opportunity there to say and in addition to this this ship has this massive history that people just don't know about but um yeah sorry you were saying um so once you're on board the ship what what is the actual um what is the actual tour cover then the non ghost tour
0: so the tour basically took us starts on the on the promenade deck and it kind of takes you Towards the the bow, and you go see the um the, the, the main bar, which you know is infamous for appearing mm. in so many films. What's the name of that bar? I forget. Is it the now. observation observation the observa- bar at the front of the ship. Observation bar. That's right. At the very yeah. front.
3: It Used to be the first has... class uh, domain, didn't it?
0: That's right. And of course, it was extended. You know, they took away the promenade deck. It used to be a wraparound promenade, mm. so you could walk all the way around the front of the ship and back again on your on your hike, mm-hmm. but that was converted i think in the last dry dock before the ship retired and they extended the size of the observation bar to include that front section meaning that the bar is now bigger but you don't have a a full wraparound deck anymore. but it's beautiful and what they've now done is they've removed the old tvs there was like showing sports in there and you know, it was like, and they had like posters and just crappy things that the, it was inauthentic. Mm-hmm. So the new owners have taken away those TVs and they've cleaned it up. And there's, oh, a, nice. there's a relatively new carpet in there that is pretty authentic, and they've polished all the brass because it has all these stunning nineteen, kind of you know nineteen thirties um, brass fittings everywhere, and they've they've made it look beautiful. So so the ship looks great, and and the observation bar was where we started. Then we then went down to like the first class lounge mm-hmm. where again you see all these amazing woods and the scale because of course it rises three decks yes and you know it's a, it's a little bit like the Britannia restaurant of course on mm-hmm. the Queen Mary too you know absolutely a kind of familiar feeling in there but yeah. um, so the ship the ship kind of looks good the tour is you know, for people like you and I, we're never going to be satisfied with the tour. So, <laughs> my my friend and I, we stayed on board for three extra hours after the tour. Sure. And we just we went we got we went missing basically. We <laughs> we, we, we we stowed away, and we went in down a couple of decks to the hotel. We went into bedrooms because housekeeping were cleaning a couple of the rooms. So we went and looked at the rooms, and of course, they still have the salt tap. And yes, you yes, know, they've. They've managed to kind of fix up the air conditioning. I think a part of the refurbishment was to put some new generators on the side of the on the dock side, so they're now feeding the ship with newer equipment. Nice. Because the you know the the, the gear that was on board the ship wasn't very good, and they've raised a few things up in the engine room that were potentially going to get wet. So they've they've made some emergency repairs. Mm-hmm. But I, I you know in terms of like staying on board, you know it's still like at least a couple of hundred dollars a night to stay on board. And it's pretty rudimentary. You know, the thing that's missing from the hotel are people. I, I, yes, I, yes. You know, that, that ship would hold like two and a half thousand people. And if you're lucky, you'll get maybe a hundred, two hundred people on it. So it always feels a little sparse. And mm. I think if you're an enthusiast to go and stay on board is is sure. You know, that would make a great night but i wouldn't you know there's not much to do in long beach generally unless you want to go and see the discovery princess going off on a four-night cruise around carbo
3: so because because the the cruise terminal is just next to the ship now isn't it
0: it's not far well actually tell a lie the the carnival cruise terminal is right next door it's in the old dome building that Mm -hmm. used to house the spruce goose yes Um, the downside to that is is that as we discovered which is if you're arriving to go and see the queen mary you end up in the same traffic jam to go and uh, get onto a carnival cruise. Sure. So you really have to circumnavigate it. We sat for 20 minutes just in traffic to to get to the parking lot. Um, so, you know, I, I would go, but the problem with the new operator is they're sprucing it up where they can with a limited budget. I mean, they've spent millions. Mm. The problem is that with these types of attractions, you need experts who understand flow, and customer Mm -hmm. experience exactly And meet and greet you want people out front front of house who know how to talk to customers Mm -hmm. you know this poor woman at the front she wasn't treated very nicely by the girl who was sitting there and i was like do you know what's here this is the queen mary i know she had the blue riband for goodness sake and and People don't really get it, you know. Do, do you think,
3: I mean, she's been there longer than she was in service, but do you yeah. think the location has something to do with that?
0: No, I, I just think it's all down to people. You know, it's a down mm. to, the problem is when a company announced record profits, what they really mean is unpaid wages. And so, you know, you need to pay people more. You need mm-hmm. to train people better. You need to make sure they've got good costumes if you're trying to do it in, you know, historical historically accurate. True. You need to make yep. sure that the customer is always right and you really care about them. But we have a big problem in society these days, which you would have seen on the cruise ships. And I know a lot of your listeners are wouldn't know what I'm talking about. And that is that passengers or customers are increasingly less discerning than mm-hmm. they were in the days of the transatlantic liner. So... You know, the the DeBrett's Guide to Etiquette and Modern Manners is not a book that anybody keeps on their shelf anymore. <laughs> the, you know, so standards have dropped. And Cruise Lines, they know that standards have dropped, that people are increasingly informal. They don't want to dress up. They don't want to do formal nights. They want to eat with their hands and not with silverware. And, you know, they want to order every dish on the menu if they can get away with it, which is why mm-hmm. some of them are now charging for a second lobster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and And yeah. so... You know, standards have dropped, and it's and really for those of us who adore the kind of historical aspect of of this, mm-hmm. we need to just chill because otherwise we're going to get very frustrated. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, Actually, I,
3: I, I go on. I was going to say one of our segments that we have from time to time is what's got my ship, and it's like our little opportunity to. Have a complaint about something because we generally keep the podcast pretty positive, but sometimes you know things build up, and we were talking about two, two or three months ago about this exact thing, and just observing since coming back post pandemic, the the number of times that um, the crew we we see them just being so poorly treated by by passengers yes. who who tend to have forgotten during. The, the periods of lockdown that other people have feelings too. And so we've just been sort of putting that out in the world that even if it is frustrating, even if something goes wrong, it doesn't quite go your way. There's no excuse to make another person feel, feel terrible. And I know our listeners obviously wouldn't, um, wouldn't do that because they come to us for a shared love of, um, the cruise experience, but we do see it on, on the passenger ships and on the airlines regularly. Um, when, you know, the smallest thing might not go the way that the, the passengers, um, hoping and then they just get so angry and cross with the with the air rage
0: incidents are up as Mm -hmm. well and exactly rage incidents are up.
3: look this has been uh, such a wonderful chat i could go for hours um as we said before but with our with our guests that we have on particularly ones who have spoken to us about their experience we like to do sort of finish it up with a little um, four question quick fire round so questions that um you know, we haven't given you any advance warning. For <laughs> um, are you willing to to take the quick fire? I
0: am willing. I, I only
3: pray that
0: I can give you short
3: answers. <laughs> I think the first one you probably can. It's pretty straightforward. So, okay. thinking about being on a cruise ship, are you a person for sunrise or sunset?
0: Uh, am I allowed to say both? Because you, are, yeah. I, you know, I, I and, and this is why you know booking an inside cabin is not great for this. You know, it's good to kind of leave the curtains open and wake up with the sun and have a look outside if you can. Um, You know, I I would say that I am a fan of like getting the the, the cheapest cabin on board because they're all the same size, but the cheapest, like an ocean view or something, something you can see out Mm -hmm. Um, and then getting out and up onto deck and experiencing the sunrise in the morning and then go back to bed if necessary. And then of course go to the very front of the ship or the sunset bar on celebrity cruises. That's a fantastic place to mm-hmm. take in the sunset. So yeah, I'm going with both.
3: I'm going with both. Fair enough. That's all right. Um, champagne on the aft decks or a pint at the ship's pub.
0: Oh, definitely champagne on the aft deck. I, mean, <laughs> I, I don't think I've ever even been into the golden lion or whatever they're called. You know, it's, it's, it's not my scene. Um, I think, I don't know why it is. Maybe it's kind of, I never really drank alcohol my whole life. And so I never experienced pubs, you know, Mm -hmm. in London when I grew up. I wasn't really a pub guy. So yeah, I'm going to go with with champagne, although I might switch it out for orange juice.
3: Fair enough. You know, we um, had a transatlantic on Queen Mary 2 back in 2019. And this ship was um, one day out, the day before arrival in New York, we had a Force 12 hurricane Little Wonderful. Wins. It was remarkable. But, you know, everybody after hours of this was feeling a little bit off. And I tell you what, we, we woke up about 2 o'clock in the morning, I think it was, with the waves crashing over the Deck 6 porthole that we had, went right. for, you know, walk around the ship. There's no way we were going to sleep through that, trying to trying to see everything we could possibly see. And by about nine we were feeling a little bit um like our sea legs hadn't quite set in for that kind of level of movement. So a lot of people went in, off to the Golden Line and had a Guinness breakfast, just a pint of Guinness, and it really settled the stomach. It was remarkable.
0: I'm told I think it's the hops, isn't it, or something in the in the yeah. uh, in the recipe. Mm. I I, th- I threw up on the carpet outside of Illuminations once on the Q- on the Queen Mary too. Uh, because of seasickness. And
3: uh, fortunately, it was an Art
0: Deco carpet. So you would never know. <laughs> I was
3: going to say, was that you? <laughs> no. Uh, we've had some interesting experiences in Illuminations too with the movement of the ship because the um, planetarium dome sometimes just ever so slightly moves and the condensation that builds up drops down. Um, and we had one lady who interrupted the the lecture. She yells out to me, are you making it rain? And I'm like, I had no idea what she was talking about. The context wasn't there, so I thought, right. what is going on right now? <laughs> um, but it turns out she was getting a, a little drip of condensation from behind the dome. So there you go.
0: Have they repaired that dome now because I know that post pandemic a couple of the a few of the seats in the planetarium they'd kind of roped them off because uh, they didn't recline, and there was a few squares that weren't kind of lighting up in the planetarium. Has that mm-hmm. all been made nice now the
3: The projection seemed absolutely fine. Um, on my last trip when it was in Australia, but those chairs that were damaged have actually been removed. So they're not roped off anymore. They're just not there. And what I understand is they've gone off to be repaired and then they'll be reinstalled. I think they're quite custom, those chairs. So yes, I'm um, sure they are. probably needed some, some um, specialty. I think they might've left them, um, in Southampton, when they went on the world cruise, and then picked them up when they've been fixed. The other thing that I thought was interesting on our last trip, and I know we've completely derailed our quickfire <laughs> round, but um, we can go back to it. Yes, yeah, the the, the um, spare propeller blades. There was three of them that had been taken off the the bow, which was the first time in my experience with Queen Mary two that they weren't all there. So they must have had to had to use them at some point.
0: That's interesting. I mean, they're very expensive, those things. Don't they cost like a million bucks each or something? Yeah, well,
3: they're very, very specially machined, just specifically for Queen Mary too. Right. So yeah.
0: so I'm, I'm sure there'd be like, if if if, if t- times were tough and they needed a spare blade, they'll take the spares off the front of the ship rather than, For sure. than manufacture new ones. But yeah, yeah, I used to love walking around that area at the front of the ship, uh, you know, by the, the breakwater and the, the front mm. superstructure and, and seeing the light catching
3: those amazing yeah. propellers. Hands down the best place to stand at night if you want to see the Milky Way because you're in front of the bridge and there's no stray light in front of the bridge. And you right. can just... You like, can even lie down if you feel like it and just look up. And then after a few minutes, your eyes adjust and you can see the, the band of color that comes through for the Milky Way. Mm. It's just, just superb. We saw a couple of shooting stars as well from there in the um in the great australian there's nothing
0: like a sky like transatlantic sky is there and i think people who've never crossed the atlantic don't really understand that you're going to see skies and stars and and weather patterns and systems and cloud formations and waves things that you will never have seen in your life and and that's why i always recommend you know going westbound because you lose an hour sorry you gain an hour a day right rather than losing an hour a day if you cross eastbound
3: Mm -hmm.
0: um so it's better value for money which i'm always interested in
3: absolutely um third of the four and i think i know the answer uh formal Mm. dining or a casual snack at the buffet
0: oh well i'm definitely going to say both again because (laughs) i only realized recently when watching the you know youtube vloggers and i love all of these youtube vloggers that make stuff about cruise ships i watch them every day it's like Mm -hmm. my wind down thing and I think it was Jim and Michelle, the cruise dorks. They go for dinner in the main dining room, and then they go for another dinner in the buffet. And that never occurred to me to do that. You know, I always thought it's absolutely fine to go for a midnight snack or a late night snack, you know, mm-hmm. like ten o'clock after a show or something. But it never occurred to me that there are people doubling up on on breakfast, lunch, and dinner. They do mm-hmm. formal and then informal.
3: I mean, how much food can you eat? Yeah, it's fascinating. Yeah, I get full. I mean, I don't know. Um, I think the only way on a a cruise to even hope to stay in the same outfits that you brought with you is to uh, to try and pace yourself a little bit and um, take the stairs. You know what I always find so funny is when I use the ship's gym and you see people take the lift to the gym. It just makes me laugh. <laughs> it really I, I,
0: does. I, I, never, I never take the elevators, mainly because I get a bit claustrophobic. <laughs> um, so I don't mind a kind of glass elevator, you know, kind of Willy Wonka mm, style. Panor- panoramic but one. Panoramic one. And of, of which most of the ships have those, although Queen mm-hmm. Mary 2 lost its two that were in the kind of grand uh, foyer or whatever that mm-hmm. area is called. They lost it. Yep do in it in the first dry dock but um and it does look better for it but it still has that exterior wonderful kind of secret elevator at the front of the ship yes isn't it beautiful yeah go up to the commodore club and then all the way down uh to deck was it deck two or deck three i think
3: yeah it goes but, back um, into the ship yeah
0: that's right it's it's such a great kind of experience and i you know i, I really feel like the new style of um cruising which is you know, I just went on the Celebrity Beyond, which is the Edge class. You know, it's the third in the Edge class. the slightly extended, stretched version of the Celebrity Edge, Celebrity Apex. Then came the Beyond, and they're about to launch yeah. the the new one, the uh, the Ascent. Yeah, which I've got. I've got stuttering. a booking. On,
3: I've got a booking on Edge for later this year for my first time. Have on you the done edge any class of those Edge classes, No, no. This yeah. will be the first. This will be a first for me. Okay.
0: Well, listen. I need to tell you something because your love of Cunard is strong. You know, I feel it like the force. I feel it too. <laughs> the moment that you do a celebrity edge class ship, especially one of the larger ones, the Beyond Mm -hmm. or the Ascent, I have a feeling it's going to be very hard to go back to Cunard because there is a certain stuffiness. And, you know, the clientele is older, which is fine. I don't have a problem with old people, but it can feel sometimes in the Verve Clico champagne bar or whoever they're sponsored by these days, like a little bit of an old people's home, you know, a retirement home. And, you know, with, with walkers parked in the, in the, in the corridors and the sound of legs snapping when we hit a big wave. And so I went on the Celebrity Beyond and I was like, whoa, this is another <laughs> level of cruising. It is so magnificent. Just How exciting interior design, industrial design, But also the way they do the food. You know, they've split the main dining room into four smaller restaurants. Each one is themed with different menus, and the food in there was as good as speciality dining. You know, I've done speciality dining on Norwegian, Mm -hmm. um, and I've done it on uh, what's the one on on uh, Cunard, the the oh the veranda, the veranda grill, which was a fantastic meal, but. You to know, pay for it, you know, and I, I mm. like to manage the all-inclusive somehow. So I, I have to really recommend, you know, if you if you're not if you're used to doing British lines um that are registered in, in the Bahamas, then <laughs> then try doing the Celebrity Beyond because Celebrity is my mum calls it they're a cut above. She says they're a cut above, yeah. and it really is a very. Nice experience, and I had such a great time on the Beyond. So I think I'm going to book the Ascent, and I'm shortly about to do the Discovery Princess, and the Celebrity Eclipse as well. Oh wow!
3: Oh, how fantastic! It's
0: going to be fun. Yeah, which is a solstice uh, class ship, and I managed to get that so cheap. I'm paying about sixty five dollars a day per person. Wow, sixty five dollars a day.
3: That's crazy, isn't it? Cheaper than a hotel.
0: cheaper than a hotel.
3: Yeah. Mm. Um. I think, you know, listeners will know that late last year, I did um, Norwegian Spirit after its $100 million refit. And I know Norwegian is sort of a, um, you know, the middle of the market style cruise line. It's not... It's not known for being overly luxurious, but just everything on that cruise went well. And it was obviously put on by Norwegian Cruise Line as part of um, the launch of the ship, and we were very lucky to be invited. But the the ship itself just blew me away. It's this older ship that's been completely refurbished, and but it still has those features that we talked about with the, the teakwood decks and the, you know, the older sort of interior style, but with everything. having has I mean, windows,
0: I mean, Chris. It does. There's it has windows, windows everywhere. Yes, so exactly. Right, And you can see places.
3: And the final one, sea days or port days?
0: Well, this is a no-brainer for me. But <laughs> I never get off the ship. I never get off the ship. I just did a Caribbean cruise on beyond. Mm-hmm. I didn't get off the ship, even so, in the Caribbean.
3: Definitely and... sea days then.
0: Definitely sea days. I think it's great. In fact, here's a better answer for you. Sea days on port days. Right? So when it, <laughs> nice. Right. So when everybody else is getting off and, and, you know, going and exploring, that's when you get the ship back to yourself. It's your you, ship you, you for a can while. Get a lounge mm. Yeah. And you don't have to line up and, you know, do all of the stuff because, you know, really, I think the best period was post pandemic when they were doing a kind of soft reopening and, People were getting on with the ships at twenty five percent capacity or fifty percent capacity, and that's when people were really enjoying the ships, and the staff were able to give a better level of service.
3: That level of service, yeah. So thank you so much. This has been such a great chat. I'm, I'm sure our listeners have really loved it. If they want to um, find you on online on social media, where, where can they go to find you?
0: Uh, on Twitter, I'm at the Anthony Davis. Uh, I am also on Threads now, which is the uh, the new one, mm-hmm. and uh, my website is davis dot com, and my podcast is Five Minute News, where I bring you a kind of world news bulletin every morning. So it'll download whilst you are asleep, and when you wake up, you'll get a you'll get me telling you the three most important things that are happening on our planet, and mm-hmm. uh, it's a great Very way to useful. start the day.
3: Yes. Yeah. Absolutely, thank you so much. Um, I'm sure there'll be a time where we'll have you back on on the show if you'll come back and, and chat with us again. But it's been absolutely brilliant. So thanks so much for your time.
0: My pleasure. I really, really enjoyed it.
3: And I really do hope that um, at some time I'll see you on board.
0: I think we will. You know, I mean, I, I'm actually planning a transatlantic Queen Mary two crossing, which is how I know that they're offering six, seven, and eight day crossings at the moment. So. You know, I I, I kind of, I'm a bit stuck because I want to do the eight eight night one because I want obviously more of an experience, Mm. but I don't know if I can be off grid for eight days, (laughs) (laughs) you know, because the Wi-Fi is not great these days with these types of things. And also I'd quite like to feel what it's like to be on the ship when it's doing 29 knots. Mm. There's nothing quite like it. To get the full speed experience.
3: Mm. Yeah. I just long for the days of 30 knots up the coast on QE2. Those were magical moments (laughs) yeah i'm sure Uh, thank you again once again anthony thanks so much and uh, we'll see you next time
1: that's all for today if you enjoyed this episode please subscribe and leave us a review on apple podcasts google podcasts or wherever you find your favorite podcasts until next time bon voyage